Good morning. Welcome to Jesus and Coffee with Pastor Tom, where we have a little bit of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus. This morning, we're starting Proverbs chapter 30. I'll tell you what, we are coming close to the end of Proverbs. We just have two more chapters to go. Uh, now, this chapter is a little bit different than everything else we've looked at in Proverbs. So, the start of this chapter, it says, The words of Agur, son of Japheth, the oracle. Now, we don't really know who this is. We're not 100% sure who this Agur, son of Japheth, is. There's a couple, um, couple options that we can look at. First is Agur could be maybe just another pseudonym or another name that is a nickname for Solomon, possibly. And it could be Solomon's writings here, uh, which would make a lot of sense because he wrote pretty much all of Proverbs that we have here. If, if he did write this, it would be all of Proverbs. The other option is that this could be a person who was um, an advisor who worked closely with him in the kingdom and in his home, and that's a possibility. The other possibility is the term agar refers to an Akkadian tribe of people, and it's possible that it could be someone that Solomon knew in another people group because he was very diplomatic in working with different groups of people. And it's very possible it could be a close friend of his, and he liked his writings so much, another person who worshipped the Lord, that he took them and included them into his writings of the Proverbs. We, don't, we just don't know. What we do know is that Proverbs chapter 30 gives glory to God. And it does not contradict anything that Solomon is writing in Proverbs. It's, it goes right along with it, flows right along with it. So either way, whoever this author is and whoever did write them, uh, we're going to learn some wisdom from this chapter. So I'm going to read the first six verses, spend just a little bit of time on that. That's more than I typically do, but given the way it's written, you have to to get the context. And uh, we'll move on from there. So verse one says, the man declares, I am weary, O God. I am weary, O God, and worn out. Surely I am too stupid to be a man. I have not the understanding of a man. I have not learned wisdom, nor have I knowledge of the Holy One who has ascended to heaven and come down, who has gathered the wind in his fist, who has wrapped up the waters in his garment, who has established all the ends of the earth. What is his name and what is his son's name? Surely you know. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Now, the first four verses seem a little awkward because whoever's writing here is declaring that they're tired, that they're stupid, literally using the term stupid, that they don't understand, that they're not very wise. And then they begin to ask all of these rhetorical questions about God and what he is capable of doing. And it sounds very, very similar to some of the questions that Job asked um, in his encounter with God or that God asked Job, you know, uh, who did this? Who did that? You know, and the purpose of these questions is not to get an answer. Like I said, it's rhetorical. It's meant to make a point. It's meant to tell us that God is so far above us that we're not going to fully grasp and understand him. That 
when we begin to meditate upon his greatness, his magnificence, that it leaves us asking questions that we can't really answer and they're meant to leave us speechless in all of his glory. That's what the first four verses are are telling us. That's what the author is trying to say. When I compare my wisdom and my understanding to God's greatness and his glory, I am a foolish, stupid man who doesn't know anything. This being created all the heavens and the earth, spoke everything into existence, and who am I? Who am I to stand before him, question him? And then in verse 5 and 6 is when he starts to bring wisdom into his saying. I'm going to read that part again, verse 5 and 6. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. So the first wisdom statement of this author in Proverbs 30 is exactly what Solomon has been saying ever since Proverbs 1-7. Respect God. Surrender to him. Be obedient to his word. Do not change what he has already established, but be submissive to his authority. Call him Lord and live your life as if he is Lord. It sounds a whole lot like the theme verse of Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's fools who despise wisdom and instruction. So right along here in this chapter, we see the same theme coming through again. Surrender to God. Look up to the Lord. Trust him. He is King and Lord of all. All right, going to stop there. Thank you for joining me this morning. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's always the same message. Seek first the kingdom of God. Be obedient to God. Surrender to the Lord. It's what God wants. That is what's most important. It's what's going to bring the most joy to your heart, to your life, is to surrender to God. And the way we know how to surrender to God is by reading and studying his word. Have a blessed day. I'll see you again tomorrow. Bye.